There we go. And it's hot. It's really hot out. I mean, we're going to hit like high 90s, 97, 98, almost 100 on Sunday. But, but here's uh, why I'm excited to join you, because I'm actually pitching this particular podcast to Alpha Podcasters, because I feel like it shows a story and a message. The story is of a cosplayer named Colleen underscore cosplay. Katie Colleen, I believe that's her middle and uh, first name. But Colleen has quite the story of adapting to becoming a disabled cosplayer that I thought it was so poignant. I'd make it an alpha podcast, so wish me luck as I'm submitting that tonight uh, on this podcast videocast. But I want to be on camera for this one because it might include a prop known as my crutch. See here, every day I wheel around New York City on my crutches. And what happened last night with Lee Zeldin, I've become ever so thankful of having crutches. Because the wingspan of these crutches could be used in self-defense. And this is also why I'm submitting to Alpha Podcasters, because I don't think they have much, I don't know if they have many adaptability stories, but this is a couple here that the general public should know about. Because people with crutches should not be afraid to tell their story. Colleen has crutches, uh, Colleen the cosplayer has crutches. I, of course, use crutches. I break crutches sometimes. That's always fun to deal with. But at the end of the day, things like what happened to Rep Lee Zeldin make you think. Make you feel like we have to um, protect ourselves any way possible. For some, they believe the two, Second Amendment is the way to protect themselves against the bad guys. And in Indiana, an even more devastating shooting was prevented last week by way of a civilian firing off his gun and, and disarming the shooter. So those cases are good cases to talk about. But I had this idea suggested many years ago about adding weights to my crutches. And I never really thought about it. I, I don't know. It would be walking funny. It would be, I don't even know how that would work. But the bigger story is that those with crutches, I've learned to realize is another gift from God. Because for us, it could be viewed as a sense of protection. To us, having crutches could be viewed as the thing that literally stands between you and evildoers or non-listening people or Harmless people that just didn't want to listen at sidebar. I mean, I told this story before. Uh, these two dudes from NYU, you know, college kids, thought they can go somewhere. Bartenders were busy. They thought they could sneak into a place they weren't allowed. Yours truly stuck his crutch up and literally stopped them from moving any further. I felt pretty badass about that, by the way. But it worked. And it made me feel a sense of respect at that moment, at that very moment. So, and I've also said this, because we're dealing with the January 6th nonsense, are we not? We're dealing with January 6th nonsense, day in and day out. It's really horrible what's been going on with that. But I said, a day or two after January 6th, I said, how can these crutches seem to protect an area more so than the U.S. Capitol Police. That doesn't make sense to me. I'm not again getting too political on it, but just know, just know that doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it does to you. I have no idea. But yeah, I, I want to dedicate the first few minutes of this podcast, vlogcast, to my thoughts on 
why having a crutch or two could be a way to defend ourselves, if ever needed. If ever needed, let me point that out. And then the other thing I want to talk about real quick is if we cannot effing campaign innocently, then how should we expect safety in the streets of New York? By the way, the way this has been reported was gubernatorial candidate and this. Do people realize Lee Zeldin is a sitting U.S. congressman that was attacked? Whatever that looked like a knife was brandished against the representative. That's horrible. But I'll say this. I'll say this. How he was released very quickly is why we need extra protection for ourselves. Why we need to be more aware for ourselves. Why we need to, yes, and I'm guilty of it. I roll a blade and I do listen to my headset. But sometimes in this environment, when people are doing horrible things to others and getting released for it, that, that just means we are on a track for more lawlessness. And maybe being less in our headset will be easier and more safer for us than blasting it um, just because. These crutches are here because it is a reminder also not to take life for granted. I believe that. God put us on this earth. God gave us medical devices to thrive on this earth. And we should never take that for granted. So I am also going to make a commitment never to break one of these crutches, never to throw them wildly like I have before, admittedly. I just thought I'd take to YouTube and my Facebook and Instagram and, and say that. I've not always been nice to my crutches. Have you? Have you always been caring or do you throw them on the ground like I do? Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. But no more. I will respect my crutches because that is what gives me a sense of protection. And I thank God for them every day. Every day. Especially in this rising crime climate. Climate, by the way, is crazy. Real quick, uh, do you know that the Earth, yes, the Earth has had its crust melting into the Andes interior? What's going on? We have to keep an eye on that. Solar flares all over the place. Record heat, massive heat. British, Britain has never had this much heat ever, by the way, or not in a long time, and they're not equipped for it. Crazy times we're living in. And the weather is just another example of how crazy things are. But, but, we should be able to walk our streets safely no matter the climate. We should be able to walk those streets safely no matter what. So if you hear candidates touting bail reform and not wanting to change it at all, please do something this November. Because as I've written before, we are legally in a protected class in America. But on the ground, on the streets, I don't think we are. When a sitting congressman can be attacked with no consequence whatsoever, and a mayor's aide could be robbed at gunpoint in the middle of daylight. Yes, Mayor Adams' aide was robbed at gunpoint. At the end of the day, do these people really care about the crutches or about getting their way and committing whatever act of criminality they want to? That's why we must be vigilant, not a vigilante, but vigilant. We must be ready at all times to protect ourselves. And last night, he is gubernatorial candidate. Yes, every news outlet out there. But he's also a sitting congressman. Lee Zeldin being attacked shows that not even a sitting congressman. Uh, Steve Scalise, what happened to him at the baseball field, also showed us nobody is truly safe, title or no title. We've got to be self-aware and self 
protected. And someone who I think has really done an incredible job adapting to these adaptable devices like a wheelchair and like crutches has stayed safe on them and she'll talk about that has had fun on them has had you know her ups and downs but for the most part has come out with a positive attitude which is why I am so excited to welcome Colleen Cosplay to Alex Garrett podcasting and my YouTube channel well, I'm very excited to have my next guest on Alex Garrett Podcasting. First of all, it is uh, Disability Pride Month. It is ADA Month. And the main focus has been adapting with Alex Garrett because, you know, someone who's going to be on my podcast just now inspired me to say, why talk politics all the time when there are real people adapting to their life situation and making the really best out of it? And calling cosplay, I mean, you make the best out of it every day. As oh, thank you. And an adaptive cosplayer. And I feel like the adaptive cosplayer, disabled cosplayer community isn't as uh, represented well. But first of all, you know, how we first met on TikTok was really freaking cool. And I think you were just getting used to the crutches at the time, right? Yes, I was just starting to use the two forearm crutches. Um, before then, I'd just been using knee braces. So I was kind of new to that. I was new to showing mobility aids like on social media and i was uh interested in learning how to dance with mobility aids that was a big thing on tiktok for a while was like the crutch dancing the wheelchair dancing so it was that phase of my life and you embraced it though like you weren't ashamed to have crutches or anything like that but i don't know the full story so how did you become uh it sounds crazy how did you become disabled for for your fans who may not know yeah yeah no i don't mind sharing uh, so, uh, like, I was able-bodied most of my life, <laughs> so I have the perspective of someone who was able-bodied and was completely ignorant of, you know, the struggles disabled people face, and then I became disabled over time. I have a degenerative cartilage disorder, so what cartilage does is it protects your bones. It protects your bones and absorbs shock, so when you go out and you go run and jump and play, your cartilage is going to absorb all of that shock and it's going to protect your bones. And my cartilage is deteriorating. It's falling off the bone. It does a very awful job of protecting my joints. So it just makes it a lot harder with load bearing. Uh, so I use different mobility aids for different days, different situations, everything from, you know, knee braces to wheelchair. I've done it. Well, I know that um, that adaptation had to be tough. Did you start feeling it as you were a kid or what was, how'd the process go? Yeah, so I was really athletic in high school. I love doing sports. I did cross country and track. I ran year round. Uh, I did horse riding and later on I did martial arts. So I was really athletic and it was around high school. I want to say like 17, 18 that I started feeling pain. And it was really easy to write that off. It's just like, oh, it's just like a sports injury, like, you know, working a bit too hard, you know, and it just persisted, it persisted, it persisted. Uh, a lot of doctors were just like, nah, you're fine. <laughs> I was not fine. So uh, I ended up getting a diagnosis like two or three years later uh, when they finally were like, maybe something is up and something was wrong. <laughs> well, when they said no, did you start researching it yourself? The thing is, I didn't really know what to research. I mean, I'm like 18, I have okay. knee pain. And like, how am I supposed to know what's causing this pain? Especially when doctors are just brushing it off as like inflammation, you know, you want attention, you're, you know, an emotional teenager. So I didn't really have the resources. I didn't even know what cartilage damage was. For a long time, I thought it was like a meniscus injury. But I just, I mean, I didn't know cartilage damage isn't like super uncommon. Like it happens in a lot of older people. Just as you get older, you have something called chrondomalacia. It, mm. it it's, happens in a lot of people that age. So it's not super uncommon. It's just the way it presented itself was rather strange for me. So there was no way I could really know. <laughs> well, I didn't even think to ask you this, but were you cosplaying even before? this uh started to come on for you 
Yes, yes. Uh, I was cosplaying back in my athletic days. I actually thought that my brand was going to be a mix of cosplay and martial arts, which shows you how much calling cosplay has changed. But okay. originally I was in the Naruto cosplays doing martial arts kata, and I thought that was going to be my brand, but clearly not meant for me. <laughs> well, you're wearing Superman. I got to say, first of all, thanks for taking time to get the get up after work on and, and I mean, that's awesome um but that's kind of how we started right so superman was kind of our bonding point because mm -hmm. my little tricks on there and you're like what the heck and i i don't know did you ever try them did you ever try and soar uh, i did uh i really wanted to be as cool as you like i really really did i wanted to do the cool tricks like you did uh unfortunately the card cartilage damage is also in my shoulders and my hands a bit so it was a little bit tougher i don't have quite enough upper body strength but i i wanted to be as cool as you i really did <laughs> i want to dive into something you just said a couple minutes ago which is you didn't know the disabled community and to be honest as someone who is able to get around on one leg and rollerblade it took me being a couple women in power wheelchairs to truly understand it myself mm -hmm. and i was in school for kids with disabilities for many years but for you i feel like once you started to realize the rights of people with disabilities wasn't all it's cracked up to be. You started to make that part of your platform, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was hard as it is with, I think everyone who develops a disability in life, there's a lot of internalized ableism. You kind of grow up thinking that it could never happen to you. I mean, no one ever thinks this is gonna happen to them. Even as it was happening, I mean, I think everyone just kind of thought it was a temporary thing. Like I never imagined it would get here at the time. So it did take a lot of processing. I went through a lot, uh, but you know, I finally found the confidence to be who I am because like it's cosplay. We're dressing up as fictional characters. Right. Let me play, let me cosplay <laughs> with my mobility aids. And uh, I was really big into the competition scene before I was using mobility aids. I did cosplay contests. I won awards. I was just really big into that. and. I noticed that after I started using mobility aids, people treated me different. Like, you know, not everyone, but some yeah, people did. Yeah, tell us did. about that. That sounds so, because I was going to say, you're on crutches at Comic-Con, you're in a wheelchair in Comic-Con. Did you start getting looks? Is that what you're kind of referring to or? I mean, looks, comments, I even got with a knee brace. I found that Supergirl really brings out those sorts of comments and it's not a lot. I get way more positive than negative, but the negative comments I did get was just kind of like, why are you cosplaying such a strong character with a disability? It doesn't seem to fit. Like, you know, they make, I'm sure you've also heard jokes that just did not land right. Like, oh my gosh, you got hit by kryptonite. And I'm like, ha ha ha, that's not funny at all. That's kind of messed up. I would say a stronger word, but that is kind of. Yeah, yeah. So I got comments like that. And, you know, as I started using the crutches in the wheelchair, I also just realized how inaccessible these spaces were. And it was something I never thought of back when I was competing without mobility aids. Like, it just never occurred to me that disabled people couldn't get onto the stage. They couldn't access meetups. There were all these things disabled people just weren't even given the option to participate in. And I didn't notice until I was there. And I just got to thinking, I bet no one else notices too. Like Her. I bet I wasn't the only one who didn't notice this. So maybe if I tell people about it, then they'll know and they can make event spaces more accessible. They can kind of help out disabled cosplayers a bit. And it will make able-bodied cosplayers more aware of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't know, I seem like there's a part of me that believes that community is very tolerant. And there's a part of me that just like, because they revolve their whole life around it. You know, you've got, a lot of things going on, not just cosplaying, but there are some who just dedicate their life to it and they may not understand it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you start developing on TikTok and I got to ask you why you left because everybody misses you on there. Yeah, TikTok was, uh, it was kind of a cesspool of ableism, at least when I was on there. And at that time, like I was still getting a bit more comfortable with my mobility aids. Uh, I was still kind of getting used to them, getting, you know, um, I, I'm much more comfortable now than I was then. And at that time, I also just wasn't used to getting hate comments. I had been running my YouTube channel for years. I've been running my Instagram for years. And I just didn't really get mean comments, which, mm -hmm. like, I think is a blessing. 
<laughs> but then I, I go on TikTok and my TikTok just gets so many followers so fast. It's kind of like this rapid growth. And I start getting a lot of ableist comments and I just didn't have the mental capacity to deal with them. It was mostly just people coming into every single video and asking what was wrong with me. And I was just like, I do not have the emotional capacity to explain my disability kindly, like twice every 24 hours. I do not have the capacity for this. And so I just left and I decided to focus on YouTube and Instagram. Those platforms have always been much more kinder to me. Well, I know you also have like a full-time job. So tell us about that. Oh yeah, I'm a mechanical engineer. So I have a four-year degree in engineering and I work in engineering and calling cosplay all happens. Outside of that, I will admit it is very difficult to juggle. Which is male dominant. So how do they, how huh? do they, obviously your field accepts you, but I know it's a male dominated field. So was that tough to get into originally or how, how has it been that journey? Oh boy. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's very inaccessible. I would say a lot of jobs for mechanical engineering are at like factories or processing plants mm -hmm. and none of those are accessible. A lot of them were built before the ADA was put into place. They don't have good accessibility. I was really lucky to be in the job I am now where I can work from home and I just work on the computer, but it is very difficult to find those jobs. I have been you job the architect, like <laughs> the creation type, right? You write up all the prototypes or you kind of draw the blueprints or whatnot, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I like draw the blueprints, uh, the engineering drawings that they use to go build stuff, but I'm not physically building stuff. I will say it's very hard. Uh, if you're ever looking at job listings, uh, and you scroll to the bottom, there will usually be a little blurb that says something called physical requirements. And uh -huh. it will say, usually you have to be able to like walk, crouch or whatever, be able to lift 50 pounds. And I've noticed that a lot of jobs just copy paste this. So if you want to apply anywhere at Amazon in any capacity, they will copy and paste this onto every one of their listings. So there's just so many listings that I just physically would not be qualified for. So I'm just really lucky I have the job I have now. It's a very difficult field to get into. You're a master's degree, aren't you? I think you got your master's. I thought I read I have that. my bachelor's. Bachelor's, but nonetheless, you've achieved so much, yet people sometimes just look at the chair online, right? So how is it that you're able to just like redirect the conversation, I guess, if you will? Um, as far as work goes, I learned my rights. Uh, I've gotten burned in the past. I can't talk about that for legal reasons, but like I have learned the ADA. I've learned what my rights are and I have had conversations with my employers, CEOs about what my rights are. And I've been able to point out in the ADA, this is the law. I know the law. Don't mess with me. <laughs> with the handle the hips wearing Supergirl. I love, I love that. <laughs> Taking up cosplay also help you, I don't know, pick up that identity that um, you just feel that way no matter what, but that enhances the identity, if you will. I love cosplay. I, I mean, it's been a good kind of escapism. It's been good to find characters I identify with. It's really what got me through the time when I was kind of realizing my disability was going to be a long-term thing. Uh, sewing was great for me. I felt like that was very therapeutic. And I love Supergirl. I love cosplaying really strong characters. And even when I did get the comments that were kind of like, really cosplaying a strong character with a disability, it kind of pushed me to cosplay her more. And I now yeah, have like yeah, yeah, six yeah. Supergirl cosplays. Now, if any guys are watching this, I'm sure there will be, you're also married. So talk about that aspect of life. Because, you know, again, it's one of those things like, oh, Disabled people can marry. Yeah, we can freaking marry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we're just people. <laughs> exactly. But what's that journey been like? Did you meet him before, you know, the cartilage started to deteriorate or after? What, tell us about that. Yeah, I met my husband in college. We were both in the mechanical engineering track. And uh, he, so I was using my knee brace at the time. So there was kind of a, an indicator that something was going on, but I was still walking about you know, I was still doing okay. I think a lot of people just thought it was like a sports injury. So it was a conversation that came up pretty early into dating. I think it came up with like the first date or something. It was just like, oh, what's with that? And I'm like, by the way, I'll probably be disabled for the rest of my life. Mm. And we had to kind of work through that. I think a lot of it is just, he was able to find a lot of qualities in me to kind of assure me that I'm not a burden. As a disabled person, when you're dating, 
you feel like you're going to be the burden. And a lot of that's internalized ableism. It's not right. But you feel like you are going to be weighing down the relationship, like they'd be better off with someone else. And my husband's always been really good at finding the qualities that I have and telling me like, oh, well, you're, you're really smart. You're really hardworking. You're really determined. And like the disability isn't a problem. You have all these like amazing list of attributes. <laughs> you have a bad attitude about it. That's the other thing about, about <laughs> this whole thing about Colleen cosplay. By the way, Instagram, just tell people your username just so people know. Yeah, I'm Colleen Cosplay on Instagram and Colleen Cosplay on YouTube underscore right or is that only on yes instagram? it's calling underscore cosplay on instagram just calling cosplay on youtube how was your family through all of this i mean i never got to really have this in-depth conversation offline so how was your family with all of this it was it was hard at first because like i said i think everyone just kind of wanted to write this off as like a little sports injury you're gonna be fine mm -hmm. so as i was also going through this process of like i think it's going to be long term I noticed my family kind of going through the same process of, oh, is this going to be long-term? Like, you know, mm. what are we going to do? So I felt like we were all kind of going through this together. I wish I had a disabled person in my life is all I'm going to say. Like, I wish I had any other disabled person in my life to talk to because like when I was in high school, I, I wasn't on Instagram or Facebook or like anything. I didn't have the social media and I just didn't know disabled people to like, tell me it was going to be okay. So we were all just kind of like stumbling, unaware of what to do. When you look back at the able body pictures of you, does that fire you up to just own this now? Or how does that feel looking back? Um, I mean, I guess like bittersweet at times. Like, I mean, I owned a horse and I just saw my horse. I miss my horse sometimes. Um, you know, I miss doing martial arts and going to the dojo, but also, I could not be doing what I'm doing now without my disability. Um, I think I truly am helping some people out there and I couldn't have someone with a disability help me, but like through the magics of the internet, I'm able to be that person for someone else and I wouldn't get that up for anything in the world. <laughs> but do you still feel like you would benefit now from, like has the disabled community rallied around you? Have you been more immersed in it now with all of the, you know, I would say exposure with the cosplay. Yeah, the so there's actually a huge disabled cosplay community. It's just, as you said, they aren't represented. You just don't really see them, which is why I couldn't find anyone like me. And once I started making the YouTube videos and the posts about, you know, hey, disabled cosplayers actually have access problems. We like there are things we need mm -hmm. to fix. There were a lot of people, both disabled and able-bodied, who kind of rallied around that and were like, we didn't know, like, we didn't know, but now that we know, we want to do something. Like, we really want to make cosplay for everyone, and now that you've told us, we want to, like, take action on this. I'm so glad we're talking, because, you know, the ADA turns 32 on Tuesday, which is <laughs> very exciting, and as someone, as I mentioned, who's been around, I mean, how's flying? Because when <laughs> the time flew, we went and her chair was all mangled up. So does that ever happen? Has that ever been an issue? Uh, I, I have the worst anxiety about flying with my chair. So I have not stepped foot on a plane since okay. I've started using mobility aids. Yeah. I would really love to go to a con on the East Coast or like maybe go down to a big San con Diego in California. One? I know that you're in Cali, right? So are you going down to San Diego for that one? Or? Oh, I'm, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. So oh, I'm, I'm a bit further. So I, I really wanted to, you know, go to these bigger cons, go to different places, because right now I'm kind of stuck to cons I can drive to. And okay. that's pretty much just, I, it's usually Seattle and Portland area cons, which are great, like they're fine. It's just, I'd like to see more. And I've had to explain to everyone who's asked me to come to these out of state cons that like, I think airlines break 26 mobility aids a day or something ridiculous. Wow. And like i i just i can't really replace my wheelchair i got my wheelchair used off of craigslist because the u.s healthcare system sucks so i'm not really sure i could replace my wheelchair if they damage it and i just have like so much anxiety about landing someplace and like i mean basically my legs can't work when we get there <laughs> what about kids with disabilities do you ever find that they're reaching out or parents of kids with disabilities are reaching out, hey, can you talk to my son, my daughter? Like, is there an impact on the youth? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't talk a whole lot to kids because I mostly communicate through like Instagram. Um, so, but I do have a lot of people who reach out to me and they're like, hey, I'm new to mobility aids. What can you recommend? Or, you know, I'm new to cosplay and I'm trying to like build up some confidence. I need some tips. So I do a lot of that. It's actually part of why like I keep going. YouTube is soul crushing at times. And what has kept me going on YouTube is just the people reaching out and saying, you know, I have a disability. I didn't think I could cosplay because I never saw that in the community, but now I'm going to give it a try because I saw your content. I think that's cool. I've often wondered, so you post these things every few days. So how long does the shooting process take of every video that you do? Oh boy. Uh, the production of each YouTube video is at least 10 hours now, I'd say, because I have to sew the whole costume. So this whole costume was a single YouTube video. I had to sew the whole thing and then I had to record the process and then voiceover and edit. And it, it's at least 10 hours per video. Wow. Oh, you do a voiceovers for your own video. That's awesome. So sometimes, yeah. Uh, do you have much help? I feel like it's a one woman show back. Uh, my husband does a lot of help behind the scenes. He does some of the soundtracks that you'll hear in my video. He plays guitar. He's also my cosplay photographer. So he takes all the pictures for the thumbnails, which is really helpful. Uh, he also is just, you know, emotional support. If I get a mean comment, like, man, that hater's got to know that I'm going to tell my husband about it and we're going to be judging you. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen something like that. It's going to be a very personal question, but with everything coming on on set, and is it progressive or is it kind of right where it is right now? Do you think what what's what does the future hold? Firstly, and secondly, are kids in the picture at all? Uh, so for the future, I mean, it's definitely a progressive disability. It's getting worse, but doctors largely like just can't help me. Like they just they don't really know uh, with current like modern medicine, there's no way to make cartilage grow back. When it's gone, it is gone. Uh, there's some really over the top invasive things which they won't do because I am way too young for those type of surgeries. But, you know, it, it's just gonna kind of get worse until it gets to a breaking point where modern medicine actually can intervene. Um, honestly, for the future, I just kind of see myself still doing the channel. Um, I'm not interested in kids because like who can afford kids in this economy? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mostly Inflation, just costumes right? for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this brings up an interesting point because I know that in the Upper West, Upper Northwest, it rains every day. So do, do you feel that? Because I know that people with bone issues feel the rain and feel all that cold weather. I basically don't leave my house through like all of January because if it is cold at all, it just, it feels like knives in my joints. Rain doesn't bother me, changes in pressure doesn't bother me. It's the cold. I will always be stacked up under like an entire quilt if I go out in winter. <laughs> uh, do you ever, are alongside cosplay, is there any other interests, hobbies that you take up that maybe people don't know? Like, do you ever go to a Mariner game here and there? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, it's pretty much just cosplay. The thing is, like cosplay, like what I do is calling cosplay is so many hobbies. It's, you know, sewing, it's foam working, it's crafting, it's videography, it's video editing, it's graphic design, it's marketing. I do so many things and it kind of all just goes into the channel. And like, I will say my husband has definitely been like, you should do something that's not cosplay. This is kind of all consuming, but it really does take everything I have to keep this channel going. In 40 hours a week during dur during your day job, right? So this is a whole big project you got going on. Yeah, it, it pretty much takes all I have to do both of those things, especially because I am ill. So like I sleep a lot. I have pain flares, you know. Are you wanting, you don't mind me asking, are you wanting anything to combat all of this or have they been treating it? Uh, they just don't. Like I said, okay. modern medicine just has nothing for this. And uh, any sort of pain medication I get now, I, I'm gonna have side effects. Like if, you know, if, if I live to be 50, like there are gonna be problems eventually. <laughs> when you were 18, you, you sounds like you kind of went at this alone. So it's just cause your parents were not as, not sure what to do. So you kind of took it upon yourself. How did that all end up sort of falling on your shoulders? It sounds like. Yeah, I think they just were a bit overwhelmed. I come from a very big family. I have two sisters and three brothers. So they were obviously had a lot to handle. Um, there was a lot going on and they just, 
I think didn't know how to parent that, mm. didn't know how to deal with it. And they were honestly a little concerned when I took to cosplay and YouTube so intensely, but they were pretty much just like, if this is what you need, this is what you need to start your YouTube channel, I guess. So they just kind of looked now. You did go to college. Where did you go to school? I went to WCU. Very cool. And go Coons. Remind me what that is, WCU? Washington State University. Oh, WSU. Okay, yeah, Washington yeah. State. Very mm -hmm. cool. And did they have a good programming? What was the, was it accessible up there? Or did you have to kind of make amends? And, and... I mean, the thing is, throughout most of college, I was just using the knee brace. I used crutches like a handful of times. So it's hard for me to really comment on the accessibility because I never really used the elevators. Um, I never really had to worry about like hallway sizes. I mean, I feel like it's pretty good. Um, okay. I haven't heard any complaints from disabled students, but I never had to go through accessibility services there. Uh, it's all with Katie, Colleen, Colleen Cas Cosplay. I'm just, I'm very excited that you're here because as I said, it's been a long uh, friendship for like three years now. Oh gosh, has it been that long? Well, actually, too, because I joined in 2020. How long were you on TikTok? Oh, I joined in 2020. Like everyone else who was stuck inside during the pandemic, I felt like it was really like a pandemic thing to do was to do TikTok. Absolutely. And I left, uh, I want to say in 2021, I wasn't on TikTok for very long before it was just like, wow, I literally cannot manage these different social medias. And I just dropped it. It's also a comfort level, I think, as well. So. Um, now that you're out of the house, do you ever get like people on the street saying, oh, I saw this on YouTube or Instagram? Like, are you kind of <laughs> in the neighborhood now or what, what's that? Uh, at conventions, yes. I was really surprised because before the pandemic, I only had around 300 YouTube subscribers. Hardly anyone knew me. And then we went, you know, away from conventions for basically two years. And now I'm at over 2,000 YouTube subscribers. And it's really weird going to con and suddenly this huge group of people is like, hey, Colleen, and like they recognize the wheelchair, right? So even if I'm out of cosplay, people recognize me. And it was just like such a stark contrast from before when I had less followers. So it's just so weird and amazing that people recognize me. Now, actually the cool thing is you actually kind of use the chair, wheelchair as, as part of the, the mm -hmm. cosplay. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so uh, I mean, as I was still, getting used to my mobility aids and using them out in public just out of cosplay in the everyday life um i would still notice that like people would stare people would make comments i i noticed a lot of people would be like oh you're so young what's wrong with you and it's like look i'm just trying to buy groceries uh, so oh, then yeah. when, I, the, when the guy at the newsstand asked me what i why i have one leg it's like i just want to buy something from the state i don't want to ask it's like i'm literally here to give you my like my money leave me alone so I, I, it was just making me uncomfortable. And then there's this one Christmas that I turned my crutches into little candy canes and they were just so cute. And I just noticed this huge change in how strangers approached me because instead of asking what's wrong with you, their eyes immediately went to the decorations and they were like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. I love the little candy canes. And I just noticed that I, I just, it helped. You know, I got all these comments complimenting my aides instead of questioning them. And from there, I started incorporating them into my costumes. Uh, it just really helped me gain that confidence and become more comfortable using them. I want to know about another commonality that crutches break. Have, have you ever crutches like just snap on you? Because that's happened to me a couple of times. I don't know. That's <laughs> I have not yet. I am still waiting for the day that that happens because I have the pretty cheap crutches off of Amazon and you just, when they wear out, you buy new ones or whatever. So they have not broken on me yet, but I am... I am awaiting the day. <laughs> you obviously have your community that, that knows you, but what about the newcomers that sort of jump into your life and, and start talking to you about all of this? Um, do you approach everybody kind of differently based on how long they've known you? Um, at a con, I pretty much approach people the same way because okay. I'm sorry, but like if you approach me at a con, I'm not going to know who you are unless you tell me your username. If you okay. tell me your username, I'm like, ah, I remember that profile picture, but my memory isn't good enough to remember. Like I have 7,000 followers on Instagram now. I can't remember 7,000 people. So, you know, I do my best, uh, but I try to approach everyone like with 
like an open mind and kindness. And I always assume positive intent. So if anyone says something that's a bit ableist or rude, I just always assume that they just don't know better. And I try and educate instead of getting upset. It sounds to me through all this process, uh, how old are you, uh, are you now, by the way? I'm 25 now. 25, so you've been dealing for seven years now. So, and surgeries never come up. Like, I know that you don't want to do it. And that's a credit to you that you don't want to, but has that ever been an option or not really? Um, not at my age. Uh, so uh, if we did anything like joint replacement or big surgeries like that, those need to be replaced every 10 years or so. So you can imagine if I live to be like 75 and they have to replace my joint every year, every time you replace it, you take bone off. Uh, it, it can be quite a hazard. So that's and all that type of stuff too, right? Bone grafts and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, every doctor I've talked to, they're like, well, um, all these things we tried haven't worked. And the next step, you're just too young. Like it would make it so much worse. So I'm just kind of like, I, I've managed to change my lifestyle in a way that it's fine. Like I do fine with mobility aids. I just know my limits, take it easy if I need to. Uh, and I've, I've been doing, I'm, I'm happy with my life, honestly. <laughs> uh, no, and I could see that. Um, but, you know, behind the scenes, on camera, you look like you're having the time of your life doing all of this. And uh, I could tell that the sewing and everything is a labor of love, right? That's, that's what it is. Yeah. So there's a pug on, on, on TikTok, Bones A versus no Bones A. <laughs> I've got to ask you this. I feel like you wake up knowing that every day will be a Bones A, but behind the scenes, is there ever a no Bones Day for calling? I definitely have lots of pain flowers, lots of bad days. Uh, I'm pretty good at bashing content. So when I feel really good, I'll record a whole lot of stuff. I'll make a lot of content. And then when I'm feeling sick, I'll kind of like push that out. So I feel like uh, it's kind of gone to the point that a lot of people are just like, oh my gosh, you're doing so much. You're like healthy all the time. And I'm like, no, it's just when I'm sick, I have all this old hidden content that no one's seen. And I release that. So I just like really, really good at hiding my pain flares. I don't share much of it online. Yeah. But that's why interviews like this exist to get behind the scene. And that's what kind of, yeah. kind of why I like talking to you about all this. Um, other people with disabilities may not want to share them, their story mm -hmm. about you have been able to. So what do you tell them tonight on the, on this podcast? Uh, for people who, you know, they want to keep that more private, like good on you. Like I love to see it. Uh, something I always say as a bit of a disclaimer is that you never have to share your private medical information with anyone. No one is entitled to it. You do not have to share it to anyone. The only reason I'm doing so is because I am personally comfortable putting that out there to kind of help educate, uh, have other people see my story and be able to kind of relate to it. So it's a very personal thing. And this is what I'm doing. It's not for everyone. Do what's comfortable for you. No one deserves your private medical history. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this, is this suit for this only, or do you get to re, do you reuse costumes? I feel like you make them from scratch every time, no? I do make a lot of costumes from scratch. It's mostly because my YouTube channel is centered around building costumes. I make tutorials. Okay. You can see me sewing. So once I sew a costume, I, I still wear it. Uh, I've worn this one probably like, I don't know, three or four times, yeah. but... <laughs> I have to keep sewing for the YouTube content. YouTube is always hungry and I have to keep creating costumes for yeah. YouTube. <laughs> How do you balance that out with the, because I feel like drawing a blueprint is about as challenging as like coming out and doing 10 hours of production. So how do you balance it? Uh, it's, uh, it's taken a lot of practice. It's a lot of planning, like a crazy amount of planning. I'm sure other disabled people can relate. But for like, just for this call, I had to kind of plan like, okay, I need to have my costume ready. You know, I need to maybe take it easier in the morning. So I have more energy in the evening. And, you know, there's just so much planning that goes into it. And with making costumes, I just have to plan out my days and my energy and just like, okay, I'm going to sew a costume today. I'm going to only do it for this many hours. And then I'm going to like take a power nap for another hour, you know, got to plan it out. Is cosplay like a therapy for you? Like, I feel like it's it's a great mm -hmm. way to express yourself firstly, but it's also yep. a therapeutic way to go about life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. I feel like the sewing has really helped. I don't know why, but just like sewing, like this very it's methodical, like cut. Yeah, using the hands, cutting the pattern. 
I don't listen to anything while I sew, which I feel like everyone listens to stuff while they're sew, and I'm just kind of this weird outlier, but I like to just kind of, you know, sew it and just like be, <laughs> cut my fabric. Uh, and then cosplay, I think is just a great escapism. You know, you can, you can dress as whoever you want. Um, you know, I get to look cute. Um, I get to talk to people at cons. Like, it's great. I love it. Do others come to you for, to make their costume? <laughs> I mean, people certainly ask. I did look at doing commissions for a while. I did some for my family, but I'm just too unwell to be making a lot of costumes for other people just the okay. amount of hours it takes to sew a costume there was no way i was able to keep, like basically have two jobs mm -hmm. I, i'm fine with just one job and the nice thing about making costumes for myself is i don't really have many deadlines you know if i'm not feeling good that day i don't have to sew that day i can spend like three months on a single costume if i'm not feeling good and it's a little bit harder when you make costumes for other people when they look at your channel, what's the most difficult one you've made? Those difficult costume. Uh, definitely my, um, I was in a fashion show that I designed for. It's called Her Universe. That was definitely the most difficult. That's the most stressed I've been sewing in my entire life. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a fashion show that takes place at San Diego Comic-Con every year. Uh, mm -hmm. I was in the virtual show, so I didn't actually go there. I just recorded but I had to make this crazy, like full, like red pleather coat monstrosity. And I only had six weeks to make the design from start to finish, film it and submit the runway footage. So I have never been that stressed sewing. I did like take time off work just so I could sew this design and finish it in time. Oh, cool. When was this like a few years ago, you say, or? It was last year, actually pretty much exactly a year ago because San Diego Comic-Con's this weekend, right? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so exactly like one year ago, <laughs> um, I made I made that design. Who's your favorite comic book hero? I feel like since we're talking about all this, who's your favorite of them all? I mean... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like well, great. You probably watched the show. Uh, I know they um, I don't watch the show, but I love the comics. I just love how they've been able to write a character who's so incredibly strong, but is still like such a hot mess. Mm -hmm. In the comics, she just, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's creating messes. She doesn't know what to do. And she has super strength. And I just love how you can take a character that's this strong and make her relatable. Cause I know they do that a bit with Superman too, but I feel like it was a little bit harder to see the human struggles in Superman, but Supergirl, she is full on hot mess at times. Does Seattle, does that area have a lot of comic book stores? Because I feel like everything is going digital. So by you guys bringing this to life, it helps. But it also is like, well, where are the comic books also, right? So yeah, still? Um, there are a few comic book stores. There's one at Pike's Place Market that I really like. Okay. Um, but honestly, I just, I feel like comics are dying out a little bit uh it's definitely being replaced by like movies i feel like everyone knows the avengers movie no one really reads mm -hmm. avengers comics and like anime and manga is also are kind of come on the scene never really I, i've never investigated this are all these movies totally different than the comics or are they on par with it what do you think uh, so as far as dc comics goes uh, i'm not super into the marvel comics as much so i can't comment there but as far as dc comics go the uh, animated universe is pretty much accurate i find it's pretty much one-to-one -to, -one to the comics the live action universe is not at all i don't remember firing bullets out of his eye or something like that i don't know yeah i don't i can't even watch a lot of the live action dc because i know what the comics are and i know all these side characters all these little throwaway side characters that they put in one episode i'm like i read like five graphic novels about this character they're not just a throwaway character to me <laughs> do you ever look at the fan fiction also i feel like that's a big big part of the community too um i haven't really gone into do you, do you write anything like uh no i don't write i do enjoy the fan art i love looking at fan art i love buying fan art at conventions too um i haven't been super deep into the fan fiction side just because there's so many actual dc comics i've not read yet that i feel like i kind of need to get through more of those <laughs> you also draw i feel like this has to be 
the way your costumes are, you draw it out first, right? I mean, that's, that's probably- Yeah, I do, I do a little bit of drawing. I'm not very good, but I have to be able to draw well enough that uh, for fashion design and stuff, people know what I'm gonna make before I make it. I have to be able to draw diagrams and references. So it's not very good, but it will get the point across. <laughs> ever frustration your mind is a hundred percent but as you say the physical is not easy at times so your mind is like i want to get this done and then when you start writing is there any pain that kicks in or or is that one of the most pain relieving moments when you can draw out your own costume i mean cause uh, it's always been a struggle because uh, if possible i would like to just be doing cosplay all the time okay uh, and physically i cannot I used to be able to sew for eight hours straight, like like literally on a Saturday, I would just, you know, nine to five sewing. I loved it. I was in my element, it was great. And I just can't do that anymore. I feel like now after about three hours, I need to take a break. It's really frustrating because I just can't make costumes as fast as I used to. So I can't, you know, upload to YouTube as much as I used to. I can't have as many new costumes to debut. I just, I, I can't sew that fast anymore. Well. You mentioned a while ago, you need to preserve your energy. So in your nine to five jobs, are you always talking to people? Are you always communicating? Does that, I wouldn't say where you at, but does it, does it get tiring at times? Oh, you yes. Email so many people, so many this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. And because I work from home, I do a lot of Zoom calls. I do a lot of video calls and messaging. It's really tiring. Uh, I kind of have it spaced out so that I do cosplay stuff before work, but never after work after work i'm just really exhausted and i do cosplay stuff on the weekends so i kind of have that evening after work always reserved for just don't have to be productive watch tv you know like don't have to do anything in the evenings wow well i feel very honored that you took time tonight after work to do this so thank you for that <laughs> you know we have a long island uh, con in at the aviation museum in, in uniondale so i was there part of that and those costumes were just unbelievable Mm -hmm. For a smaller town like Long Island, they were digging it, you know. So, this is a widespread thing. Have you ever been to New York? Nope, because uh, I, you know, I regret that I didn't travel more before I was using the wheelchair, and now I have this horrible anxiety over traveling with my chair. So, unfortunately, I haven't. But one day, I'd like to just feel comfortable enough. I know they've been making some headway on like a amendment to the Airline Carriers Act or something. To where you well, can put yeah, your chairs you know, on the cabin very cool they did the passenger bill of rights airline which to me is kind of funny because it's like shouldn't these airlines be abiding by ada law anyway like and now we need another thing that says you have to do this well why aren't they doing it in the first place right so mm -hmm. he just came out with that and it's one of those things that and you might think the same way i feel like the political side panders during july and then they forget about it after that. I don't know if you ever sensed that, but it just feels like that in my view. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I don't know, I'm kind of hoping that we make headway there. And once I stop seeing people posting on Instagram about their wheelchair getting utterly wrecked, then I will be able to you know, fly to New York if I want. <laughs> but would we ever see a cosplay on the needle in Seattle? Have you ever done that? I'm a, not really i mostly just wear the cosplay to cons i wouldn't be against it i think it'd be really cool i definitely have cosplayed in public it's just if a con is happening i only have so much energy to devote to being in cosplay it is kind of exhausting to be in cosplay for so many hours so i usually devote like every single second to being at the con and doing con things but i wouldn't be against it i think that's a cool idea do you find yourself sort of the only one um with a disability cosplay or is there a a big deal at these cons, uh, a contingent of those disabilities, if you will. So in the cosplay contest and on stage, a lot of times I feel I am one of the only people with a mobility aid. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of people with invisible disabilities there as well. Um, I've talked to them, but as far as like with a mobility aid, I feel like I'm the only one that's really on stage. And it's kind of crazy how many people are like, just see this as like this radical thing, like, oh my gosh, I've never seen like a wheelchair user in the contest. And I'm like, that's because I had to fight this convention to get a ramp for the last three months. That's why you've never seen them in this contest before. You would fight for that. Wow. The, well, it, yeah, why not? No, no, it wasn't automatic. Like, yeah, you can come up on stage. They didn't want to make the- No, 
Um, I've made a few posts about it, sharing like the emails I've had back and forth. A lot of conventions are like, well, you can just compete on the floor. And I'm like, everyone else is on the stage. They're like, yeah, but we don't have a ramp. You can compete on the floor. And I have to kind of explain to them, hey, it's actually ableist to treat people different because of their disabilities. Mm -hmm. I should be allowed in the same spaces as everyone else. You really should be having a ramp. Um, and I've just kind of had to take a kind of educate some of these cons on getting a ramp. Uh, a lot of them just didn't realize it. A lot of people just never thought about it. It's crazy how many events just never consider disabled people competing, like doesn't even cross their mind. Um, some events have given me pushback, some haven't, but uh, there are a lot of events that I've had to just be like, hey, I wanna compete. You like need to let me compete. <laughs> I know that you're, as I said, you bring awareness to everything. So I want to talk about healthcare for real, really one second. Um, I found that Medicaid doesn't let you be part of it unless you're making under a certain amount. I mean, there are so many things that are like shortchanging us when they think it's a great thing that we get. It's like, no, you can't, <laughs> you're overqualified for this if someone has a disability. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you're lucky enough with your full-time job that you get benefits or how has the healthcare procedure been for you? Uh, I've been pretty good. Engineering pays pretty well. Even, you know, working from home, I am in a management position. So I actually manage the whole engineering department <laughs> at my job. So I get paid pretty well. I haven't had to fight a lot with it, but I also just like, it's really sad, but I feel like in the U.S. you just don't really see doctors <laughs> much mm -hmm. just because it's so expensive. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, there was a time I was seeing a lot of doctors and every one of them is like, I can't help you with what you have. And I'm like, then I'm going to stop giving you thousands of dollars. Like, if you can't help, I'm going to stop giving you money. <laughs> so I just, it's sad, but I feel like a lot of disabled people just can't get the help they need anymore because they can't afford it. Like, you just can't afford to see doctors to get proper diagnosis anymore. It is kind of wild and insurance can only cover so much, I feel like. Exactly, especially with mobility aids. I had to pay for all of mine myself. I know you're married, but this podcast is about educating people. So just quickly on the dating scene, because mm -hmm. obviously you have what you have, but you're also, you wanted that love and, you know, and that, and that passion, right? So talk about dating um, before you met your husband. Um, so I actually didn't really date many guys before my husband. I have very high standards when it comes to men very high standards. And there were definitely guys who were interested. Um, and uh, I mean, my disability wasn't really part of the conversation then because I never dated any of them because they weren't as good as my husband. Um, so like, it, I kind of wonder how it would have been if I tried dating while using my wheelchair. But I, I just, I got lucky. I met my husband um, and we're very happy. So I, I can't really comment much on that since I was just using a knee brace at the time. And I know that sometimes people get treated differently with different mobility aids. Do you think your story and the way you presented yourself as this cosplayer and this person who's been doing so much with the mobility aids, do you think you're a change maker? I feel like you're a change maker. In people's uh, you know, wait, I have a heartwarming story to tell if that's okay. Oh. So uh, we have a con, it's in Spokane, Washington. It's called Lilac City Comic Con. And they never had a ramp before. So like this con had been running for like 14 years without a wheelchair ramp to get on the stage. Um, so the, the event organizer is very kind. Um, I reached out, it wasn't a problem. I was just like, can you get a ramp? And it was like, sure, it'll be there. Like, it wasn't that they were being malicious. They just had no idea. Like no one had thought of it. No one had ever asked them for it before. Like no one had ever considered it. So they weren't trying to exclude disabled people. It's just in those 14 years, no one had approached them to educate them on it or to ask for it. So they get a ramp. Um, I compete with my wheelchair, actually in this costume. Uh, oh. And that was in 2021. And I wasn't there in, this last year in 2022, but I heard that there was actually another wheelchair cosplayer that competed and they had the ramp there for that cosplayer because I asked the year before. Wow. So it's just really cool that just me sending a simple email saying, can you have a wheelchair ramp? has opened it up for this other cosplayer this year who didn't even know me to be able to compete because I asked the year prior. So I have another question. Do you, do you exercise? Do you work out? Like, how does that, how does that play into your role? Cause obviously you're very, you got that physique, do this. So how do you, how do you keep it? 
Uh, I do wheelchair dance. It's a okay. lot of fun. Yeah, kind of like the the roulettes. Uh, they do wheelchair dance. So yeah, um, I do wheelchair dance. Uh, I discovered it on TikTok. I discovered it in the TikTok days. Uh, and I kind of do that. We I also go on a lot of uh, kind of rolls through the park. Uh, I'll go with my husband. I'll push as long as I can. When I'm tired, he'll take over. Uh, and that's helped build up a lot of strength. Yourself up a hill as part of an exercise. You ever try that? Or? Yeah, I can't do very steep hills, but I can do little hills. If they're little, I can get over it. I can. I feel like when I'm like in good shape, which is the summer, because in the winter it's so cold that I just kind of shrivel up for a few months. Mm -hmm. But in summer, I can usually go about a mile by myself, uh, pushing. So I think that's pretty good. <laughs> that's damn good, Ethan. All right, uh, Colleen cosplay. This has been awesome. I feel like there's so much more we could get to, but let's save it for another episode. I'd love to bring you back as, as you know, the summer evolves and your story continues to evolve. Thank you. But, but what's your last message like? I, there's gotta be something like a hidden gem that we haven't heard yet. From um, uh, What I tell people is that like, you can cosplay. If anyone tells you you can't, I will run over the toes in the kindest way possible. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't cosplay. Uh, and like, if, if they say you can't compete in their contest, like I'll talk to them, like, let me know. You can tattle on them to Colleen and I will tell them that they should probably have a ramp. <laughs> wow, she's got some power people. <laughs> well, she's super, uh, super girl today and every day. So Colleen, thanks again. And, and yes, stay super, will you? You're an awesome human being and just a great person. And I love that we've connected like this, so. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm Alex Garrett, where, of course, we're always adapting and bring on changemakers like Colleen underscore cosplay on Instagram and YouTube. Have a great night. Hold on one second.